Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wacky Wednesday, disorganized. I'm standing up. Wes is still getting stuff together. It, it feels like the most chaotic show prep that we've had in quite some time. So I don't know what kind of show this is going to be. I was downloading frantically Beyonce songs because I'm a man that likes a good theme. I do. Beyonce in town tonight. You know, some of the local Charlotte establishments are going to be hosting some pregame parties. I believe at the doghouse, by the way, we're going to have a pre-bee gathering before you can go into Bank of America Stadium. I think there's going to be quite a few establishments that have had some kind of play on Beyonce songs. I looked at tickets last night. I tried to see how much they were and how much were available. Couldn't find anything on Ticketmaster. Mm. Couldn't find anything. And I know that the availability changes every now and then. But the last time I checked, the cheapest a month ago, the last time I checked how much these tickets were going for, mm-hmm. $300 a pop. Yeah, that was I, the cheapest. I saw earlier in the week a uh, nosebleed section for about 250 Okay, so you actually, earlier this week, you saw a nosebleed 250. Yeah, because I was curious just as to the price. Same. I had zero interest in going, but I was just curious as to what the price was. Exact same thing for me. I was interested in the price. It would be cool to say that you went to a Beyonce concert at least once in your life, I think. Like, I would go if it was less than 250 for nosebleeds. Mm. And I would recognize that this is a monumental musician, if you will. And I would like to go see it, but I'm just not going to spend three hundred dollars, two fifty, even. I can't do it to get a bad seat. I don't know what price I would drop, but I would recognize the moment coming to Charlotte. Beyonce coming to Charlotte is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it is. The city's about to be on lockdown tonight. Thank you, uh, David Tepper. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> David Tepper bringing us music, bringing us Beyonce. We appreciate it. So I like a good theme. I was downloaded Beyonce music at the finish line as we were rolling in here. But I also feel bad because, yes, it is the second day of Drum shadowing us. And it's funny because he talked to his parents yesterday. I was asking him about his first takeaways of the show. And uh, I know you were talking with him as well, Wes. Yes. And he was expecting something a lot more professional than what he's been getting. <laughs> and you said no. He, yeah. we're, we're not giving you anything professional on the air, behind the scenes, and he said, well, look, this is what my mom said, that everything was going to be professional. <laughs> I, I just hope that we're not spreading a bad message because, look, like, Drum, please do not show up to your first interview in sports media post-college doing the stuff that we're doing, right? Like, yeah. in a weird way, you have to be comfortable and work enough and before you can be this crazy, this chaotic. Like, go ahead and, and put on something nice. You know, don't come in in the short sleeve hoodies like I wear all the time or Wes is wearing today. Don't come in in gym shorts and a button up like Fitty wears. Just wear something nice at first. And then once you get in the good graces, yeah, and then the debauchery can begin. And you, you saw the greatness during the show. You know what I'm saying? But then, you know, in between <laughs> and at different points, 
then you see, all right, you know, this isn't as buttoned up as I thought, but he sees how it all comes together. It, it does. Uh, Fiddy, you wanted to hop on the mic for some Beyonce or for the disorganized activity that we, that we had. I, I felt like you didn't get what you wanted to say off your chest. What did you think Drum's going to go home and tell his parents after you basically told him, without me being in the room in the pre-show, hey, kid, you're about to work with Satan for the next three hours. <laughs> I did not. I mean, did you think he was going to have a glowing review? And look, I think uh, we made a great impression on him. I mean, I asked him, this is what you want to do for your career? And he said, yeah. So, you know, he didn't say no. He wasn't turned off by the way that we do radio. But yeah. uh, you also are at, at, here at a wrong time because it's training camp. That's right. We got dudes out of the studio. You know, I, I'm, I'm on the air like five hours a day, it feels like, which is five hours too many for, for a lot of people. <laughs> it's not always this chaotic. Yeah, uh, It's not, but it is today because we do have a lot of actual sports topics to get to as well. We have Panthers and Jets joint practices taking place today and tomorrow before their game on Saturday and we have the first depth chart of 2023 main takeaways that's what we got in our luggage getting off the bus go ahead and open up the doors Fitty. we look good getting off the bus I got something to say I give you the platform. Main takeaways that you notice with the first release of the depth chart heading into the first preseason game of 2023. Well, some of the things that stuck out to me is mainly Justin Houston being inserted as the starter. I don't even know if he's gotten a chance to unload his suitcase in Spartanburg and he's already the starting outside linebacker. So that was interesting to me. Uh, Chandler Savala being third string, but he just came back from injury. So I'm going to give that a little bit of time. And then also DJ Johnson sitting at third string uh, at his outside linebacker position. Even though they said he's been showing up, Shaq Thompson really been vouching for him as well, getting him uh, some reps in the rotation with the other uh, outside linebackers and the linebacking crew. So it looks like he's starting to show a little bit. But those were my main takeaways just at a first glance, mainly Justin Houston being the guy outside of Brian Burns. Yeah, do you think that Justin Houston should not be the starter? you think it should be somebody else? I mean, based off what he did last year, nine and a half sacks, you're talking about a veteran that has 111 and a half for his career. This is a guy that doesn't necessarily need training camp. Uh, he just came in automatically, threw the pads on. He's ready to go. I think this is a guy that's been around the league, seen it all, done it all. You instantly insert him into the defense. He's been more productive than anybody the Panthers have had. And I'm sure Justin Houston at even 60-70% of what he once was is probably better than the guys that are behind him. A lot of people noticed that too. Justin Houston being a starter immediately and only being a part of the roster for the last couple of days. We barely even got contract details before we found out that he was going to be a starter. But this was an easy call as far as I'm concerned. Are you really going to put DJ Johnson over Justin Houston? No. Are you going to put YGM over Justin Houston? He hasn't shown you anything in the last three years to put him above somebody that had nine and a half sacks last year and has posted 22 sacks earlier in his career and isn't completely dried up. There's still some juice there. So, yeah, yeah Justin Houston has to come in as the opposite edge rusher and as that starter. Have zero problem with it. The only thing notable is the fact that we barely got contract details before we found out that he was going to be a starter. Mm -hmm. I look at wide receiver as by far the most interesting thing here, Wes. Jonathan Mingo's a starter in 11 yes. personnel. Mm -hmm. They got three wide receivers starting. DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, 
no surprise there about who the top two guys were going to be. But Jonathan Mingo being listed with the ones as a third starting wide receiver over Terrace Marshall Jr., who we'd been hearing a lot more about as training camp had gone on. I don't know if I want to say that I'm real surprised, but it was certainly a question that we were asking. Who was going to be that third starting wide receiver? I thought it was 50-50 for the most part. I probably would have guessed Terrace Marshall, Wes. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was wrong on that the entire way. Maybe nobody else saw it that way. But if I had to guess in a 50-50 proposition, probably would have gone with TMJ. But not here. Carolina decides to go with Jonathan Mingo as the third starting wide receiver. Yeah, I think that's a great sign if you want to look at the return that you're getting on investment, putting a second-round pick into Jonathan Mingo. The fact that he's looked at as a starting figure this early in camp shows you that he's out there doing his thing because we get reports seemingly every day about what Terrence Marshall Jr. is doing and how dominant that he looks. And so to see Mingo, a guy that we don't necessarily get those daily social media highlights about, just let you know he's quietly under the surface been showing up and being the player that Carolina thinks that he can be. So if you look at where these guys are listed too, so DJ Chark, he's listed as an outside starter. Terrace Marshall is right behind him on the depth chart. The placement matters here because you also have Jonathan Mingo as the third starting wide receiver. LaVisca Chenault is right behind him. So even with your top five guys, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Jonathan Mingo, Terrace Marshall, LaVisca Chenault, and those are your five receivers that you're rolling with as first and second stringers. So placement matters, but also I think it is a good sign, as you just mentioned. The thing about Terrace Marshall, I think, not being able to create separation within the depth chart. We can see him create separation on the football field. But Jonathan Mingo's also been posting some highlights recently, too. So at the beginning of training camp, you saw DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, and even LaVisca Chenault. They were showing out quite a bit. But we always knew LaVisca's not going to start over some of these guys. So then once Terrace Marshall started to produce, Jonathan Mingo was on the same timeline. Yeah. And so if Terrace Marshall possibly shows out earlier in training camp before Jonathan Mingo does because it takes him a little time to get you know mixed into the system a little bit more and, and maybe TMJ starts to create that separation but he doesn't and so that's certainly the biggest takeaway. And speaking of the devil just looking on Twitter right now Bryce Young just hit him down the scene for Mingo that big is. play. Mingo yes yep. just hit him down the scene for a big play against the Jets so he's looking up already. He's showing out man he really is in the last week or so we, we've seen a lot for TMJ too it only adds to the good feeling, though. It's that, okay, here you have good plays from Terrace Marshall, Frank Reich, speaking glowingly about the LSU product, but Mingo is still over him right now. And so you, you love to see what the wide receivers are doing at this point in time. Now, maybe one of the negative things you could point to, I'm not worried about it too much, but how much are you worried about Chandler Savala, the fourth-round pick from this past NFL draft, being listed as a third-string offensive lineman, West? Yeah, I think just right now, him coming back from injury, having to work himself in. Uh, I'm not going to take it too seriously at the moment. I want to give it another couple of weeks and then see where we are. If he can get up in front of Nash Jensen, which is who they have him behind uh, on the depth chart, which if I'm not mistaken, Nash Jensen is one of the undrafted free agent uh, offensive linemen that they picked up from North Dakota State. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to give us some time on Zavala. He's got some things to work through and get up to speed, and then we'll see what time it is. Yeah, I think the offensive lineman breakdown, if you look at the depth chart, of course you have some of the guys that you would expect to start. In fact, everybody you expect to start. Cade Mays getting that right guard spot right now. 
Deontay Brown listed as a second stringer. But if you look at Joe Person's account out there at training camp, Deontay Brown starting to show some stuff. A monster. I mean, just monster offensive lineman coming out of Alabama a couple years back. People liked him and needed to lose weight because he was just too big. Wasn't mobile, but you weren't going to be able to get through him either. Now, Deontay Brown in the NFL a couple of years trying to make it as just even a backup offensive lineman. You like the signs there with the former Alabama Crimson Tide member. Then you have Chandler Zavala as a third string left guard player. Brady Christensen starting, Nash Jensen second as you mentioned, and Cade May starting at right guard. So, interesting maneuvering there with the offensive lineman different variations you could expect. And Michael Jordan at uh, left tackle, the backup, man. So he's uh, the brand. Was that three sports now? That's right. Yes, that is three sports. Congratulations to MJ (laughs) taking on your new endeavor after selling the team, becoming an offensive lineman for the Carolina Panthers. We appreciate everything you've done for the city. Let's move on. Not only will we talk about the depth chart, but we'll take a look a little bit more into joint practices taking place today with the Hard Knocks featured New York Jets. What are some of the updates coming out of Wofford as it stands right now. We'll get to it coming up next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Here's the question I want to pose to the text line. We've had this before, but we can bring it up and specify it. Is there a Beyonce song that is a little bit of a guilty pleasure song? You know, Bud Lightyear wrote on the text line trying to take my man card away because we talked about Beyonce at the beginning of the show. And Bud Lightyear, look, man, it is a fickle relationship that he has with the text line. But goodness gracious, we love him. And he wrote in that he wanted to take my man card because we started talking about Beyonce instead of talking about joint practices immediately. And I imagine it's because we might be playing Irreplaceable coming out of the first break of this show. But Irreplaceable, banger. I'm sorry. It is what it is. It's a great song. And that's one that I would imagine some people would say is their guilty pleasure Beyonce song. I want to know what it is. 704-570-9610. Some of these men listen and had to hear that song probably in... uh the woman's voice saying the line. <laughs> they probably and they had did. to follow the actions. Thick Doink wrote in. Halo <laughs> is the one for me. Halo is a good yeah, one. Halo was great. Yeah, was which good. ones do you have? That's. I mean, that's right there. Halo and um, Halo's Sweet great. Dreams. Those are my Sweet Dreams. And then her telephone collab with Lady Gaga. That is. Oh yeah, that was good. That <laughs> was. I didn't think we'd get a mention from you. I didn't think you would have one in the bank whatsoever. But I'm glad that we finally brought that one out. I know y'all have painted me as this guy that doesn't appreciate different <laughs> genres of music, but I was like with with what uh, Wes said in the break. Or he might have said in the first segment, old Beyonce, I could get down with. Some of the new stuff, not the biggest fan of, 
But her older stuff, I dig. Apparently, this album is great, though. Apparently. I have not heard it. I've not digested it like I do. Some of my favorite artist albums, when they show up, got to go through it chronologically. One song to the second song to the third. But I have not done that with Beyonce. Teddy from Concord said, Boss. I don't, do I know that song? Uh, I, I, I don't know I it know on the top of my head. For the most part, what he's talking about. M Dog wrote in, My girlfriend is going to the concert tonight. I helped her buy those tickets. As much as I love the Panthers, I am never paying that much for some tickets. Cackalack <laughs> wrote in, Wifey and my little girl are going $600 a pop. Yeah, man. But that's one of those things, too, though, man. If you bought that for your wife and your yes. little girl, and there's no telling when or if she'll ever come back here. So 100%. Yeah, see, I, I can to- see the investment. I'm totally with that kind of purchase. Obviously, you can't do it a lot. I am not one where Beyonce matters enough to me mm-hmm. where I'm going to spend $300 a pop even as we talked about. But if your wife and your daughter or your girlfriend or whoever is going to thoroughly enjoy it, and you know they're probably not going to go back, or if they do, it's going to be a long time. And she's in Charlotte? Yeah. Yeah, man. Okay. If you can drop I can't remember the last time she's been here. I can't either. Yeah. I can't either. And she's going to go to Atlanta on Friday, so at least you'd be in driving distance, but at least here in Charlotte, you're going to catch her on a weekday, and even if it costs $1,200, that's all right. Cacklack says, does Bonnie and Clyde count? Great Yes. Great question. I don't think it does, though. I don't think it does. See, I think it does because when they do verses, they do songs that they collabed on. So but I do collab. But she didn't have a verse. She was just in the hook, right? No, she did have a bridge in it. When she that's what I'm saying. On my line. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it, she but didn't have was, a full verse, but she had the bridge. I don't know if it counts. I feel like you need to have a song on a Beyonce album because it's still Jay-Z driven. Gotcha. That's and, what I think. I don't know, but that's okay. It's a great question. I appreciate the debate. 619, I figured we'd get this one. I like single ladies because I like taking them out to dinner. All right, there you go. Mm. 619, Fitty's burner, even though <laughs> he likes to self-deprecate a lot. Uh, single ladies, we're getting a lot of mentions in there. Hollywood A, if I do say so myself, drunk in love. Yeah, when that Jay-Z, see, now I think that one's okay because Jay-Z is the featured. Yeah. And Beyonce, when that one was on the radio, you could not get away from it. If yeah. you listen to the radio at all, Drunk in Love was featured club, nonstop. All that. 100%. Big time. Uh 704-570-9610. Feel free to text in your guilty pleasure favorite Beyonce song. We got a Panther text as well. Brian said, "Wait, Deontay Brown is still here?" I did have that moment. Because once Matt Rule was gone, I thought, all right, well, Bravion Roy, he got released. That's kind of the final. If you were here undrafted free agent, fourth, fifth round picker later and haven't worked out yet, you're not going to get a second or third chance with a new regime. But Deontay Brown is here. He's getting those chances. And he is a member that is actually playing pretty well in the last couple of days. Got some love from Joe Person, as I mentioned, doing well in some of those one-on-one reps against the Jets and joint practices. So pretty cool there. I want to ask you this, though, Wes. Mm -hmm. Who do you think stands the most to gain from joint practices on each side of the ball? Let's start with offense. If there's an offensive lineman, Chandler Zavala, maybe um, Brady Christensen to solidify his starting uh, spot like he had last year. Anybody on offense that you think has the most to get? Uh, I'm going to start things off with Adam Thielen. Uh, I'm going to go with him as the de facto number one Panthers receiver, and he's going to draw the matchup. I'm showing some one-on-ones against one sauce Gardner. Uh, the Jets have a lot of defensive playmakers, but Thielen's going to get his 
chances going up against the best young corner and arguably the best corner in all of football. And so I think that he can really show that he's going to be the guy for this Carolina offense uh, when it's all said and done. He was the first receiver to be signed. I feel like he was somewhat of a priority for them to go out and get because they went out and got him immediately. And so I think that offensively, uh, it could be his opportunity to really solidify himself as the number one guy. And then when you go and, and flip over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, I'm going to go, you know, J.C. Horn. It's going to be interesting just to see him go up against Garrett Wilson yeah, in those one-on-ones as long as he doesn't do 600 moves because, you know, the receivers get into these one-on-ones and they want to do 18 <laughs> moves. That's definitely That's right. unrealistic. But I think just seeing him going up against a quality young receiver like that can also further his reputation and those reps against Aaron Rodgers. How does Aaron Rodgers fare uh, when he targets J.C. Horn, since you guys love to bring up, you know, the targets and the catches and all that stuff. Yeah, we like to, to bring up straight facts. We sure do. You're right about that. <laughs> uh, I don't. This is a glass half empty, half full conversation. Mm-hmm. Stand the most to gain or stand the most to lose, right? They can be very, you know, it can be a thin line in how you measure some of this stuff. I do look at it as right there on the line when you talk about some of these edge rushers not named Justin Houston or Brian Burns, because that's what I'm looking at, Wes. I mean, DJ Johnson is somebody that I do think has an opportunity and YGM. So if we go defense, I know we're supposed to go offense. Just defense is what stood out to me first and foremost. YGM and uh, DJ Johnson are the guys. Because if you're going up against offensive linemen, are you going to be going up against their twos? Okay. So if you're going up against their backups, their second stringers this early into the process, and you're not winning or even looking above average in those one-on-one reps and some of those pass rush drills, it's not a great sign. It's not. And so those are the two guys defensively that I'm looking first and foremost. Uh, Offensively, Tommy Tremble's a name that speaks to me. If Tommy Trimble isn't heavily involved, again, against backups, right? Hayden Hurst is going to be the starting tight end. That's why you brought him in. He's a solid guy. You can trust him. Hayden Hurst is going to be the starter. But you know my take on tight ends. There are a lot of guys that don't produce until surprisingly late into their career, until they get to their second contract, because tight end is a really hard position to learn, and it's a really hard position to come in right away and contribute. So when somebody like Tommy Trimble, who has all of this talent, doesn't contribute right away, I'm probably going to be more patient with that position than wide receivers, who we can come in and see, you know, be productive right away. Like we see a lot of impressive rookie wide receivers, especially in the first round. And we've had that conversation before. So if you're a tight end and it doesn't hit for you your first or second year, but it does maybe your fourth That's actually not all that crazy. So can Tommy Tremble be someone that you feel comfortable with after Hayden Hurst's career is done or after he moves on to a different team? I'd like to see him have a good joint practice. Yeah, I think that would be important for him uh, as well because after him, Giovanni Ritchie and the tight ends is also a position that's featured prominently in Frank Reich's offense. So Hayden Hurst, I feel like you do know what you're going to get from him, but you want to be able to feel good if Hurst is not available. It's the NFL. Guys are probably going to miss at least a game or two more than likely. So you'd like to see your backup tight end being capable or if you even wanted to uh, get a little crazy and get some two tight end sets out there going knowing that you have another threat on the field and he's not uh, out there just to block. So if we're talking about battles, I think 
maybe second string tight end is the one to look at that's going to be interesting. That could be because good, yes. n- not only are you looking at this from a who's going to back up Hayden Hurst standpoint, who's going to be the second guy in two tight end sets, but it's going to be who can be the guy that lasts towards the future. Because they gave Ian Thomas a contract. It was like the first one they handed out last offseason. It was Ben McAdoo who came in and said how great of a football player he was, right? Does that ring a bell, Fiddy? I think you've made that joke. Ben McAdoo talks about Ian Thomas being this phenomenal football player, one of the best guys he's been around. I need to look at that quote. In fact, we have a research team member. Yes, Drum, if you don't mind, looking up Ben McAdoo and Ian Thomas to see what kind of comment he had. He said he blocked out the sun. That's what he said. Okay, so we'll get – thank you. I, I thought you talked about something like that. Either way, Tommy Tremble was celebrated for his blocking ability coming out of Notre Dame. Also celebrated for his combine, real athletic, raw, but could be a good tight end down the line. Does Tommy Trimble pass Ian Thomas this year? Because Ian is basically holding on by a thread because of his blocking ability. If Tommy Trimble puts it all together and he actually puts together a nice receiving offseason, then I think maybe that's the guy you're looking at towards the future when Hayden Hurst is no longer here. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, you just want to see what you're going to get out of these guys. It is going to be uh, a great battle at one of the most important positions in this offense. And I think a position that people – they talk about it a little bit, but uh, more so I think because you don't have the tight end that's like necessarily – I mean, even Kelsey is a, is a bit of a reach for an example because he's a one-of-one one in my opinion. But just a guy that's really flashy that makes a ton of plays, then people just automatically kind of just dismiss this group of guys. But there is some talent there and some guys that are going to be vital to the success of this offense. All right, Fiddy, you got something? Or are you going to steal a steel drums thunder after I put him on the project? <laughs> no, I was uh, motioning you to check your phone. I sent you something. Oh, gotcha. Okay, super secret. Ooh. Yeah, you know, what... whenever you point, you know, I was pointing at the phone. I couldn't see. Oh, you didn't see the phone? No, okay. because there's a big computer. Thank you. Yes, be very aware. Drum, do you have any information on this? By the way, thumbs up. All right, we got something. We'll go to it during the break and look at all that hard research that Drum has been doing during this segment. Um, Tommy Tremble is someone that's going to be involved as we look at training camp, right? Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like he's a name that could potentially the next couple of years. Well, there's somebody's phone going off. Second time this week. <laughs> what you got going on, man? Nothing. I normally have my phone cut off. That is I a loud out. ringtone, too. That is, hey, pay attention to me now, damn it. <laughs> Your phone is angry at you for not paying attention. I feel like Tommy Tremble is a name that could potentially be someone we're tired of hearing of. Hey, he's going to break out almost the Josh Norman before he actually broke out. We probably got a little too tired of hearing him. What about Terrace Marshall, Wes? Because he's going to be next in line as a guy that we're tired of hearing about breakout in training camp, but then never be consistent in the regular season. Are you already? tired of hearing Terrace Marshall Jr.'s name. Yes. I mean, we hear about this every <laughs> single doggone day. We get some type of catch, and it's Terrence Marshall this and Terrence Marshall that and all that. And so this is a guy, like I said, yes, we're going to give him the grace to be able to come in this season and make good on all this, especially because he has a quarterback that could definitely help elevate his game. But Jesus, man, like you said, last year, and the reason why I bring this up is because last year you were saying – and people were saying the same things about him. And we saw a little bit. We got a little taste. But for a guy that gets talked about as much as he does during camp, I want to start seeing results. I want to start seeing him put up the numbers and the highlights on the field to warrant this because otherwise it's just a tease. So I think Terrace Marshall is in this weird space to where if you don't hear about him, you're going to criticize him. If you do hear about him, we're going to say do it in the regular season. We don't care. 
I am actually happy that we're hearing a lot about Terrace because we weren't at the beginning of training camp. He was quiet. It was Adam Thielen, it was DJ Chark, and it was LaVisca Chenault a lot more than I expected. And I expected to hear some, but they kept talking about LaVisca. Now Terrace Marshall and Jonathan Mingo have taken that alongside some of those other wide receivers that we've mentioned. And it's not completely unwarranted. Usually when we talk about a guy and everyone gets tired of hearing his name, it's because they haven't done anything in the regular season. We have a taste for a still relatively young guy. His second year in the league albeit not a very good passing season for Carolina. He was second on the team in receiving. And once they got competent quarterback play, Terrace Marshall started to show out a little bit more. So it's not completely unfounded stuff here. We have something in the second half specifically of last year, and you're hoping that he can carry that with Frank Reich, with your franchise hopeful quarterback. I think that's why there is some substance, but there was a long time where we just weren't getting anything. Josh Norman is the guy that comes to mind. And then we saw him just have an otherworldly season where he's first team all pro is a monster part of that team getting to the Super Bowl. But he was someone that was a constant training camp MVP. Stephen Hill, <laughs> you know, Calvin Johnson 2.0 coming out of Georgia Tech. Didn't work with the Jets, but it'll work here. Closer yeah. to home in Carolina, <laughs> showing out crazy. Well, home cooking, get to right. sleep in his own bed. That'll make him a ball. Stephen Hill is a name that comes to mind. Um, maybe even another cornerback. How about a Melvin White mention? You now, Melvin White was someone, right? I don't think TMJ is in that space yet. Now, if he doesn't doing anything this year and then we bring him back, and then we're still talking about it. That's when I think it's full blown. Okay, enough. I need to see it in the Because a lot season. of the highlights from Fan Day was him. I mean, yeah. and so it was a lot of these catches that he's making in the one-on-one settings and the drills and things of that nature. And I guess it's better than the alternative, like you said, of him getting out there and not doing anything at all. But it's just like at this point, especially with what you expected. And as I said, his LSU uh, brethren also are applying that pressure because so many of them are so good that you want to see him step into that lane as well. All right. Aaron from Mallard Creek just created a game and it's one of my favorite games to play. So here we are. I've got the Beyonce question out there. I still want to get your Beyonce text, but I also want to know who you still believe in. Who is the Panther <laughs> that you still believe in because of their training camps? That Biddle. even, yeah, yes, this is what I want. Yes, this is what I want. Aaron from Mallard Creek wrote in David Geddes and I still believe in David Geddes. <laughs> There's nothing we I can be 75 years old and I'm still going to tell my great grandchildren, my grandchildren, David Geddes, you know, watch out. This is going to be the year. I'll just never give up on him. That was the guy out of him and Brandon LaFell. David Geddes was my favorite, and it just never worked out. Yeah, I think Rajon Wright is going to be that guy for me. Yeah, just never <laughs> never going to be able to give up on him. You got some time with Rajon Wright. You got another name, Fitty? I was just going to say, going off of Geddes, this is how you know that the video game isn't very realistic. I set receiving records with David Geddes on Madden. No, because I believe I, it. I, I believe fell it. so in love with him. Because he came out of Baylor, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and the LaFell was the LSU product, but... Uh, yeah, dude, he he was awesome. Tay Biddle, I I think young Josh cried when he didn't make the roster. Well, he got hurt, I believe. We'll we'll do some research with Drum helping us out on whatever happened to David Guetta. See, I I love this. I, we can shadow any day. We'll yeah. just put you to work all the time. M Dog wrote in Marvin McNutt. Now it's a great name. The problem with Marvin McNutt is that it's not like he had a great camp. It's just that that's when um, Dave Gettleman gave us zero wide receivers to work with. Remember the off season where there was a there was a certain amount of time 
where Marvin McNutt was our number one wide receiver because we didn't have anybody. They were moving on from every single player. And so McNutt, that's when somebody that's Eric Shelton. Well, that's that's just an all time like that one's <laughs> tough. Now we're talking about bust. Aaron from Allard Creek asked if Jeff Ota counts. I think he counts because he was a first round pick that looked good, but injuries really hurt him. Uh, Chubb in a tub. I still believe in CJ Henderson. Yeah, I, that one's not working out. Panther Cliff, Cameron Artis Payne. The problem with Cameron Artis Payne is that he was 30 years old as soon as he got drafted out of Auburn. I mean, he was so old. Yeah. And so that's one I can never get on board with. All right, we can still play that game. Who do you still believe in and your guilty pleasure Beyonce songs? First, we got to get to a Fitty Flash. What you got, Fitty? All right, some news coming out of the college uh, sports world earlier this morning that Ohio State's AD Gene Smith is set to retire at the end of the 2024 season. So one of the best AD openings in all of college athletics will come available. And earlier today, my beloved New York Knicks, they signed Josh Hart to a four-year, $81 million contract extension. Of course, Walker, as you know, he was the heart and soul of the team's second half surge uh, surge (laughs) as they made the second round of the postseason. One of your better jokes that you've made that involved the drums. 20 million years, is that what we got? You said 481 million, is that? 81, so I guess it comes out like a 20.3. Right. It's a lot of money for Josh Hart, but he was very good as soon as you traded for him, and he really helped you all out quite a bit. And I've seen this too, the New York Knicks, if you have a couple of expansion teams, I saw, I think, Jimmy on Twitter tweeted about this, and I listened to the podcast from Bill Simmons yesterday. If you have an expansion draft, the New York Knicks might have the first player off of the board because they have a lot of depth with that squad, and I wonder where the Charlotte Hornets would fit because the NBA... They're going to expand back to Seattle and probably Las Vegas, it seems like. Not reported, but it does seem like that's going to happen, and Adam Silver has talked about it. Just thinking about the New York Knicks paying Josh Hart $20 million a year, it shows how much depth they have because in their draft that they did with the Bill Simmons pod, first player taken was Quentin Grimes because he's not protected if you can only protect your top eight. Yeah. New York's talented, man. They got a lot of depth. They also, of course, because Bill Simmons is Bill Simmons, he's got to take at least a 15-second or less jab at Charlotte. <laughs> he said a Hornets player would be the last pick in this expansion draft. Dang. Did he really? Yeah, he did. So Can't help it. We got to figure out what his, I guess, his agenda is against Charlotte. I mean, they haven't. The thing is, it's it's not like they've been great. Right, like to I be I can ask as, the same question of you. <laughs> shot the stuff fun. that you say about the Hornets. Well, the stuff that you say about the Hornets, it's not a shot at you. It's just you'd be talking some mess about the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> well, that's me. I'm just, I'm just evening out, you know, Hornets Walker, which is, which is a different breed. He's going to act like I'm a homer for the Hornets. I know what it is. I did, I, you ran a promo of me saying they're not going to make the playoffs. I did. Yeah. I don't know about Hornet. Yeah. <laughs> Hornet Walker. Yeah, Hornet Walker. I don't know if he exists really like that. All right, let's go to the campus corner. Let's talk college sports. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. 
In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on that text line, 704-570-9610. Also, hit that follow button on social media, the Wesson Walker Show page on Twitter. Almost to 1,000 followers, so keep it coming, folks. We love it, but you can also catch our content, behind-the-scenes stuff, all kinds of stuff on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram, and then at Walker Mail, at Wesson Walker at HTB underscore Josh and at West Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. Let's get to it. Time for the campus. Kona. All right. More realignment talk, folks. And this time, the ACC might be taking their show down to Texas because the rumors are flying that SMU might be the latest team being considered by the ACC at a meeting of league presidents, executives explored the possibility of adding all three universities or inviting only the Pac-12's two members. So they're continuing to examine the expansion. And for more than a year now, SMU has held various degrees of dialogue with several leagues in its pursuit to join a power league, including the Big 12, Pac-12, and ACC. They are a small private school, but SMU resides in one of America's most populous metro areas. That would be Dallas and the heart of the talent-rich football state of Texas. And so the university would arrive at a reduced rate, employing a rich donor base and a healthy desire to advance to the Power 4 level. Man, that's crazy now. They're saying Power 4. But the university is open to foregoing conference distribution pay for at least their first five years in the ACC. SMU officials had similar conversations with the Pac-12. Well, that and that's that's the biggest part. Yeah. What you just said is the biggest part, that mm-hmm. the university would re- arrive at a reduced rate. Mm-hmm. And so now if you're not going to be looking to get that pay for five years, that actually allows SMU in the door a little more so instead of the ACC just looking to expand for expansion's mm-hmm. sake. Now you actually have some real merit here for SMU to possibly be, get intrigue from ACC decision making. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so to offset the travel costs of acquiring Stanford, Cal, and or SMU, current ACC members would need additional revenue from the network or Stanford and Cal would have to agree to enter the league for a partial share, such as a 60 to 70 percent rate. So the conversations are ongoing, but now they are talking about SMU coming into the league. And I'm not going to lie, I would be for it. For it to go to Texas, you're talking Dallas, the money from that fan base. I don't know if you ever saw the 30 for 30 pony excess, but mm-hmm. that is a fan base that wants to win and they will do it at all costs. 
That's why they got the death penalty way back in the day. But I think that would be pretty cool uh, for SMU to be able to get into the league. What say you about uh, the league getting into that Texas market? Well, I mean, even Hunter Bailey came on. We were talking about the Charlotte 49ers looking at their schedule for team week. And SMU looks to be pretty damn good this year. And so this is not the Pony Excess days, but this is still a good college football program that looks to be working some to some degree with the ACC financials and being able to take a loss at first or not a loss, but just not maximizing as much as possible right off of the bat in order to get their foot into the door. And so the real question is, does the ACC find real value in expanding, looking stronger by adding more teams, or do they want to save money and keep this money that they have right now and distribute it to the teams that they currently have and not looking to feed other mouths? What do you find more valuable? To me, it seems more like the latter, but they're still doing their due diligence. Okay, if we can we make money off of a Stanford, off of a California, off of an SMU, whatever, and is it going to be worth it? It's all about is it worth it right now? That's the question. Yeah, they've gone from the WAC to Conference USA to the American, and they have had seven or more wins since 2019. So it will be a quality team coming into the league. Mac Brown, we talked about it yesterday. Tez Walker's eligibility unfairly in the eyes of many rejected by the NCAA. Mac Brown sounded off on it. Here's what he had to say. Tez Walker was, uh, we're trying to secure his immediate uh, eligibility. Um, he's a two-time transfer. We submitted a waiver and the waiver was denied. And um, uh, we filed an appeal. We're waiting to hear back. Under the rules, when Des, uh, when Tez transferred, um, he was enrolled, but he met the criteria for a, a transfer to be um, automatically eligible. He enrolled in classes in January 9th, and then the um, uh, NCAA changed the rule January 11th. Um, the NCAA indicated approval of his waiver uh, at that time, uh, but that was before the change of, of the waiver directive. Um, Tez has only played football at one school and should be considered a first-time transfer. His reasons for transferring, like I said, it's closer to home, be closer to his grandmother, who is dealing with with bad health issues. We feel very, very good moving forward that the NCAA will look at this and understand this isn't a normal case of a double transfer, and, um, and, and they will go ahead and accept the appeal and let him be able to play when we open up for the season. And for those who don't know, this is a hometown kid out of West Charlotte High School, man, and you hate to see it. They weren't able to play in 2020 at North Carolina Central where he originally went, so he should be considered just a one-time transfer. And then the kids end up the most hurt in this. Let's hear Lonnie Galloway talk about how Tez Walker took the news. He probably wouldn't want me to say this, but we're at practice, and I'm like, because Tez is normally uh, something was wrong. So I was like, what's wrong? You know, he leaned his head on my shoulder and started crying. And I'm like, what's going on? He said, I, I hope I get to play football. I did everything that I was supposed to do. You know, and, and that's, you know, part of the struggle that he's dealing with and, you know, the mental part of it for him. You know, I thought I was, all the procedures was, was going the way that I, I handled my business the right way. And now is whether or not he's going to be eligible. So you can imagine what that does to a 21, 22-year-old kid, you know, thinking that you've done right and not to know whether or not he's going to get to play 
this year. So we're a month out now from the college football start of the season. And this is the time that they decide to say, no, nah, you're not going to be able to play. I'm glad that Mac Brown feels good enough about the appeal to get him reinstated. But the fact that you have to go along in this process anyway, it's unfortunate. And then to hear some of those emotions coming from Tez Walker. I mean, like, is the NCAA going to take the context into consideration and still decide, no, you can't play? And if they do, then it goes Shame to show the now. ruthlessness that the NCAA just doesn't care. And they can't swing it any other way. They don't care. If they still say Tez Walker is ineligible to play this season, I know. You, did you have a write up on this on Heel Tough Blog, Fitty? What were some of the opinions that you have after those comments? I mean, it's just it's just another example of why college, like why the NCAA needs to go under, because they can't seem to make the right decisions. Like this isn't a kid that's transferring left and right because he's eighth on the depth chart. Like he's coming back home because his grandmother's got a sickness that's probably going to take her life. And it's this is where I get it just blows my mind. Dude, JT Daniels has transferred to every freaking time zone in the country and hasn't been punished. This, I mean, this guy. Then you got the kid at Florida State. They're moving to be back home with they got family members who are who are dying. And the NCAA is saying, yep, you know what? We're not going to let you to play. Get the hell out of here. Well, this is the other thing. Yeah, you're right. JT Daniels is the extreme example. But Wes, we're talking about two schools. We're talking about Kent State. That he played for two years, and we're talking about North Carolina that he's trying to play Division One college football right now. That's it. As far as the stats that he accumulated for footballs for football schools, that's it. So the fact that the NCAA is saying that he can't play right now, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolute trash. Let's just call it what it is. But hopefully he is able to get to play. This was a guy that was voted on by media members as an all-ACC receiver coming into this season. And I'll say first team, even though it's only one team uh, that the media votes on at ACC kickoff. But when we return, Team Week continues. We talk about the defense of the Blue Devils on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.